2020 is Sunday, the 23rd of February, so it's time for... <gasps> top, top of the, of the flops, flops, top of the flops, top of the flops. And this week we are looking at... Well, maybe not a flop. Maybe a flop. I think this, this is, is a something... discussion like a lot of comic book readers have, comic book fans. It's a discussion for the ages. It's the evergreen question, and it is Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Yes. Right. Tell so, us a little bit more about Jack well, Kirby's Fourth we're, we're, World. Yeah, well, before we get to the Fourth oh, World okay, bit, yeah. we're going to talk about, about Jack Kirby, because... Who is, is Jack one, Kirby? Yeah, this is exactly. This is one other thing. Who is Jack Kirby? Now, if you watch any Marvel movie, you'll know who Stanley is. He's in the... Yeah, he the created camera. everything yeah, in Marvel. His name's always, always up on the screen. Yeah, he's, he, he created everything. He did all the work. He made Marvel a success. It's yeah, all did, about Stanley. That's Exactly. What, yeah. But it's not all about Stanley at all. What are you saying to me, Dave? <laughs> exactly. He's also about his creative partner. All right. Jack Kirby. Ah. Okay. So, so you're... I mean, this is, this is a curveball here. <laughs> are you trying to tell me that all of these things I've heard about Stanley being Mr. Marvel might not be true? You're saying that maybe he got too much credit. Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about this man, Jack Kirby. Right, Jack Kirby. That's not his real name, by the way. I genuinely didn't know that. He was born Jacob Kurtzberg on August the 28th, 1917. Wow, okay. In New York City. <laughs> New York. Exactly. But that was a tough place to grow up in New York City. On the lower east side of Manhattan, in the, in in that time, in the, in the 20s. On the lower east side. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we're, we're British, and if we know one thing about New York is you don't want to be caught on the lower east side. Now, you can imagine where it was like. There's hundreds of immigrant families, thousands of immigrant families. They've all come to America to find their fortune. Yeah. Now they're living in slums, working in mm. terrible conditions. It's the, it's the Great Depressions have come in. No one's got any money. You can't buy food. The Great Things Depression, are, but that sounds like a... Brilliant time. Exactly, yeah. It wasn't a Great Depression. Oh. It was a miserable depression. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought that. I was like, why is it called the Great Depression? It isn't that exactly, great. Exactly. So Jack, Jack's there. He's getting involved in like gang fights with thugs and things. There was a lot of tension there, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there of, would be, you know. A like, lot of fighting, a lot of like gangs in New York, basically. It ain't too dissimilar to what's happening today. If you've got a bunch of people with no money and are bored... What do you get? You get a lot of fighting, you get a lot of roughhouse, and you get a lot of people who are trying to entertain themselves and not necessary with inside the confines exactly. of the and They're world. angry, they're poor, they've mis been mistreated, yeah. they don't think they've got a future, they've got nothing to look forward to. Sounds exactly like my childhood. Exactly. So Jack was trying to get out of this life. He wanted to get as far away as it's possible. Yeah. And the way he did that is he went into the world of his imagination, thinking up stories, thinking up characters. He taught himself how to draw. How did he do that? But he, he was tracing comic book strips in the back in the day, uh, like well, like Snoopy and things like that. Those... More, more futuristic because they used to do oh, things right. like Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon was never a comic book character; he oh. was a newspaper strip. So every day in the newspaper, you used to yeah. get like three panels from yeah. the adventure of Flash Gordon. Right. And so he used to put a bit of paper over them, trace them, learn himself how to draw. So, it, so he didn't start life out as Sam Neil. No. No. Oh, right. Is it Sam Neill? Is that his name? The guy that plays him in the film? I think yeah, I might have got that. Is it Sam Neill? I think no. it is. Or something like that. Sam anyway. Neill's the bloke from Jurassic Park. He is he? the bloke from Jurassic Park. That's why my, my brain suddenly went, it is Sam something, but okay. That joke didn't land. <laughs> but yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, he didn't have any sort of formal education when it came to drawing. He'd, so he was virtually all self-taught. I think he went to a college one day, but he had to drop out because he couldn't afford it. So, the, so there was no art school, there was no learning brush strokes or anything no, like that. He just said, taught himself. He didn't like school. Okay. At school, 
probably didn't like him. <laughs> but then again, back in the day, school didn't probably like anybody. It was just there, a place to shove your kids away while you went to work. Yeah, so absolutely. The and then what did school become? It became a factory for generating warehouse workers. Exactly. That's really? what it is. School, it's got better over the years, but certainly I could imagine in the 1920s uh, to, to early 30s when Kirby was going to school, they, they weren't looking at it like you could be a comic book artist, that's no, a you career. No, you weren't going to go to university. No, no, no. You've got to be ready to go work in the factories making cars or wherever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Because that's industries like in York, where you... It'd be like working in the garment section there's still a lot of being clothes being made and things like that in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're by the river so you can yeah. get out to the yeah, sea. You've got to work in industry. That's what you've got to yeah, do. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of industry at that time in New York. Yeah. So... They say that his love of like comic books and sci-fi and pulp fiction and pulp novels probably influenced him to become a comic book artist. Yeah. More than a serious illustrator. Because his style is very dynamic, it's very bombastic, mm. merely exaggerated poses and everything. Probably wouldn't even work well for serious illustration. Because back in the day, well, illustrators not. used to do adverts, like a jello advert or yeah. a perfume advert. You were used to see like the smiling child looking at a dog or something on front covers of magazines to yeah. do adverts. A lot of the time they didn't take a photo because you know Photoshop, so it's very hard to manipulate a photo. So you yeah. just paid an illustrator to draw you one. Yeah, and that's how a lot of things went back in the day. I think was it you that was telling me gave me a great example Star Wars cover. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, I mean that was a, bit, a little bit later, but yeah, you, you used to be all the movies posters you used to see. Mm. They was all drawn or illustrated. There wasn't photos because yeah. you couldn't do that kind of manipulation very easily back in the day. Definitely not. Definitely. Was you? I think you put it perfectly. There was no Photoshop. There was no real kind of photo editing software no. that you could use. So you just pay someone to do it. Yeah. And so, like, um, like on Star Wars, they had a lot of matte paintings. A lot of those yeah. backgrounds you see, they're not digital. They're, someone's painted yeah. them. Yeah. So there's always work for those sort of illustrators. Yeah. He probably would have made a lot more money and been a lot more happy probably doing that than what happened to him eventually when he started working in comics. Oh, really? Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Well, just so- because as an illustrator, you don't get any credit, but you probably get paid a little bit more. And then no one's, cons- I mean, no one's going to make nick your ideas and make millions of pounds on it and billions of things and your things are coming. What are you, what are you saying here, Daryl? Are you <laughs> saying that Jack Kirby came up with some stuff and other people took credit <laughs> for it? I don't know if I believe this one here. Well, we're going to skip forward a little bit. Oh, okay. We're going to skip forward to the 1961. So... Why, why we, what was... like a bit like Jesus in the Bible how oh, he right. skips from when he was young to when he was fey there's not a lot of information about what Kirby did between when he started, first started working in Marvel yeah. and his childhood oh was there not no it's oh. a lie there's oh, lies right. <laughs> <laughs> just like Jesus there's no information no it's a lie there's loads <laughs> right, no. isn't that like Jesus exactly so yeah. between 1917 and when he started working for Marvel in the, yeah. in the 60s yeah this is what some of the things he did yeah. He went and was a soldier in the Second World War. Really? Yes. He uh, got a job as an in-betweener, which if you don't know, is the people who draw in-between frames of animation. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't people that are kids in a, in a school. No, exactly, in a, oh, no. right, okay, yeah. So, like, you'll get someone who draws, the, the, the main illustrator will draw the keyframes, as they called it, which right. is still used today, yeah. and the in-betweener will fill in in-between stages. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're more sort of... Um, action sort of shots where they're moving from one bit yeah, to the other yeah, where it's yeah. like well the guy's already drawn you the setup for that yeah, he doesn't want just, to do the meticulous moving yeah. of one limb for the one yeah bit. you yeah, have to yeah, draw okay. them in between that was for that was for max fleischer's popeye oh okay oh, i was in actual popeye spinach eating yeah yeah exactly oh, he used to, right. sort of do an anime on that he do he did uh drawings for uh gag and political scripts 
as well. Okay, yeah. the newspaper for yeah. Lincoln Newspaper Syndicate. He worked under the pen names Jack Curtis, Fred Sandy, and many others before settling on the name Jack Kirby. So ah. he had plenty of aliases as well. Because back in the day, yeah. you didn't want to use your name. It sounded a little bit Jewish. You want to sound a bit American. Yeah, well, it was so understandable. It was Look, at he grew up in the 1917. Yeah. By the time he's 30, that's 1947. Yeah, exactly. So during his entire 20s, you have got the, the persecution of, of yeah, Jewish people. Yeah, there was still uh, anti-Semitic sort of thinking, even though it turned around after the war, there was still that sort of thinking in lots of different countries. Yeah, unfortunately Especially so. Especially since there was such a high immigrant population that were Jewish in every country. Yeah, well, well and, and unfortunately that had to be a case, didn't it? Because of what was happening to them, because of the persecution. Yeah. So... Here we've got Jack Kirby. He's he's worked under many aliases and, and makes sense why he had to. He had a really big partnership with a guy called Joe Simons. Okay. Tell they, me. Uh, they created Captain America for Marvel. Okay. Well, it was before this was Marvel. It was called Timely, and that's where they created Captain America Oh, for. so Captain America wasn't originally a Marvel character. No, it was Timely. Well, Timely ah. ended up becoming Marvel. Oh, right. Timely, okay. the folk who started... Um, a little bit like how Image Comics with DC, and DC has absorbed those characters, so they're DC characters as opposed to originally Image characters. Is yeah. that the kind of similar... No, 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 there? no. He just changed no. his name. Oh, it just changed... Oh. It, was called, it was called Timely, and then it was called Atlas, and then it was called Marvel. Oh, okay. The guy who ran it, um, Martin Goldman, he just changed the name. Or Martin Goodman, sorry. He would just change the name whenever he felt like it's time to, to revamp things. Yeah. So like, oh, these comics are not selling... We'll scrap all that. We'll change your name. We'll start a new company. But it's still the same company. We'll just have a different name. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, if, so only, they, if only Birds of Prey could have done that. Exactly. You know, yeah, could have exactly. got that suicide stink off them. <laughs> yeah. So they uh, they uh, also created the Challenges of the Unknown for DC. Oh, okay. What's that? What's that? Tell well, me they're like um, they're the predecessor basically to Fantastic Four. Some people will say the Fantastic Four, which Jack Kirby also created, is just a ripoff of his. I thought that was a Stan Lee creation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was it, it was just a ripoff of his previous creation, the Challenges to the Unknown, which he sold to DC. Which is funny because no one knows who the Challenges. No, of the I've, ne- I've never heard exactly. So no. they could have been that great, could they? No. Um, they invented the genre of uh, comic of romance comics. Oh, okay. Are they? Are they? Is that still a popular genre? I, no, I've never heard not. of it. Exactly. All oh, right. They, um, Mark Miller tried to bring it back a little while ago. Hmm. Not a little while ago. About ten years ago, with a comic called Trouble about uh, Aunt May at college. <laughs> it didn't sell well. <laughs> it was not a good idea. I just dazed. Oh wow. Exactly. I tell you, that that could be a top of the flops yeah, on its own. Yeah, they, they were doing that when I was working for Crestwood Publications. Right. Okay. They also started up a short-lived uh, line themselves called Mainline Publications, which they ended up sending to Carlton Comics. Oh, okay. And Carlton Comics yeah. are the people who had the, had the Blue Beetle, right? The Atom. Okay. Yeah. Um, Captain. Let's get Captain Atom. Uh, the, the Shadow. Not the Shadow. The Question. The Question, yeah. And all those characters yeah. they end up getting bought by Marv, uh, by DC. Oh, okay. And yeah. when Alan Moore was going to do Watchmen, he was going to use those characters in Watchmen. Oh. But at the last minute DC said, oh, no, you can't use them. So he changed them slightly. So Rorschach is The Question. The bl- um, oh, you're talking hope- about the graphic novel here that before he wrote... Watchmen, he was going to use those characters. He was going to use the Carlton characters that DC just bought from Carlton. Ah. Isn't that a weird, weird sort of coincidence? Because Rorschach is synonymous with Watchmen. Could you imagine if he wasn't in it? 
You, know, yeah, you think Watchmen... It'd just, just be the question and to say the same character. The only difference between the, word, the, the question yeah. and Rorschach, not in person, but in looks-wise, yeah. is the inkblot. The yeah, that's what I'm, talk- I'm the, talking about, the inkblot. It yeah, really exactly. is. The, the question just had a blank face. It didn't have any inkblot on his face, but uh, it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does seem to be a bit of the a cat theme man here. and yeah. Dr. Manhattan are virtually the same character. Well, it is sounding a little bit, and maybe I'm jumping the gun a smidge here, but it does seem to be that if Jack Kirby doesn't get his characters right in one place... It'll go get them right somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It also worked for every single comic book publisher. It worked for everybody at the time. Yeah. He went around. He was Jack Kirby. He'd get work everywhere. He was fast. Yeah. He was dynamic. What do you mean he was fast? Like what, what? Oh, he was ridiculously fast. He could do 15 pages a week. Is that is that a lot? Or yes. What was... every, most yeah. comic book artists can only do one page a day. One page a, yeah, one page a day. One page. So he was averaging over two pages a day. Yes, exactly. So he was doing twice the work your average person yeah. with no formal training. Exactly. He was just that fast. He'd been doing it for that long. He was just so that good at it. Yeah. Uh, his, his own style that he could do that. Wow. That, that, is, that is mighty impressive. Uh, yeah. And kind of needed based on the amount of places he was working. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure he was probably stretching himself a little bit thin here. Oh, yeah. But he could, do, he could just do it. He yeah. was just that good. No. Didn't he have a nickname? The King Kirby, yeah, I was going to say the King Kirby. Jack the King Kirby starting to starting to make a little bit of sense. <laughs> a little <laughs> exactly. bit. That's what they called him, the King for. Yeah. So now we're in the sixties. Yeah. We've got through all that. There was a lot there that happened. But you know what I mean I could take I could spend an hour just telling you the, the bits in between the the Silver Age and the Golden Age. It was my my one worry when we said we were going to do Fourth World, outside of the fact of whether it really is a flop or not. Yeah. And my worry is we're talking about a wealth of information here and we like to do a deep dive yes. you know we like to go in deep and I was like we could probably do a series alone just covering Jack Kirby's life yes. you know like I don't think we even you know so how you were going to get this into a into an hour yeah, I was unsure of and I was like you know what we need to do is we need to do a highlight you know that brings us up to that yeah. DC mm-hmm. point and then I realised that You've been listening, reading, whatever you want to call it, comics and comic culture for the best part of 30 odd years now. Mm-hmm. And a week is not long enough for me to catch up exactly. <laughs> in, in knowledge. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've had to go in with some faith here. But um, I've got to say, I'm I am enjoying the way that you've looked at it and gone, you know what, let's just keep to the real kind of interesting, meaty yeah. stuff. But you know, I mean, but you can now see that he knows everything there is to know about drawing comics. He's worked for everybody. Oh, yeah. Like the, there's no substitute for experience, mm-hmm. as they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. So in, we're now in the 60s. Comics are having a rough time. Worse than today? Really. Well, maybe not as bad as today. But, but relatively are, speaking. Yeah, relatively speaking, they're having a rough time. The uh, psychiatrist Frederick Wortham brought out a book called uh, The Seduction of the Innocent, all oh, about right. why comic books were producing juvenile delinquents. He said it was the scourge on America that these comic books were... Because they, they could yeah. just do whatever they wanted. They didn't have any censorship, so they were just... Sounds a little similar to the McCarthy witch hunt. He's very, very similar around that time. There was a lot of hippies. He didn't like hippies. So he's like, oh, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, must be it, these damn comic books. Oh, shut up, mate. It's not about these damn comic books. No, and, and I think I think that's that's one of the issues. And you've seen it a lot, Harry Ainslinger. You know, he he's he's definitely guilty of doing exactly this, is where they have a dislike for something. Yes. And they find a larger problem and they try to associate yes. the thing they dislike as being... The problem, but also I think if we go back to just medias and the McCarthy, which I know what you're talking about, and I'll be very succinct with this, is something called the hypodermic needle theory. Okay, and what the belief was was that mass 
media or mass audiences or whatever you want to call it, uh, were unable to decipher media text. Right, or okay. more to the point, we're unable to decipher the connotive message inside of media text. Right, okay. And the connotive message is what you're trying to say without actually saying it. Yes, the you subtext. Know? Exactly, right? What's the message you're trying to portray? And they felt that because of this connotive message, that people were being beamed to these messages to act in a certain way, to believe certain things, and they didn't realise that they that, that was happening to them. They just absorbed it. The right like, still thinks that today, a lot of the far right in America uh, still think that that Absolutely that today. If I'm being yeah. honest, yeah. I think the far on either side believes that. Oh, if yeah, I'm like, being complete, I think that's part of the rhetoric of being extreme is that you you yourself have often been um, uh, manipulated by mass media. So it's not a big stretch to believe that other people have been as well. Oh, yeah, but maybe. the fact is, is that since that time, we know of about seven or eight different ways people consume media. But I just wanted to go off on that because I thought it was quite an interesting point that they were doing that in the 60s, but with comics, because I didn't know that before this. Yeah. I did not know they did that. Basically, uh, before the 60s, yeah. before the seduction of the innocent came out, yeah. superhero comics had gone down. Oh, they had, had they? Yeah, the, the Captain America yeah. wasn't, like, he'd been published in the 40s and a little bit into the 50s, but yeah. he hadn't been in a comic book for years. So Superman it, had been not doing as well. Captain Marvel had been doing terrific and outstanding uh, Superman, but there was yeah. coming a bit nonplus. You know what I mean? People yeah. weren't, people weren't, but they, were, they would look at it as they are now sometimes as kids' stuff, and people were like, I don't want, I would like comic books, but I don't want to read about these kiddie superheroes. These yeah. bit. And they were a little bit silly, yeah. especially in the Silver Age. So what had taken over had been crime and horror. Comic books. Oh, right, Easy yeah. Comics, who made Creep Show. Right, okay, if you Which, say so. You know, Creep Show, the film. Yes, I do know the film. It's yeah. based on EC Comics. Oh, okay. And weird and wonderful. So there's a lot of crimes, yeah. a lot of violence in these comic books, a lot of yeah. horror things. And this psychiatrist, he did not like it. No. He, he thought he was the root of all evil. I mean, of course he was wrong. No, of It was just not. a reflection of what was happening in the world at the time. Yeah, yeah. But he'd managed to get Congress involved, and Congress had come down on the comic books and said, no, you have to please yourself, you have to censor yourself, you need a comics code. Ah. And so the comics code, you weren't allowed to show monsters anymore. You weren't allowed to show horror things anymore. You weren't allowed to show drug use. You weren't allowed to show certain things. Is... It got really strict at some point. Wow. I mean, really, like, like the Hayes Code it had on films. Yeah. This had the same chilling effect on, yeah. on the comic book industry. So essentially what they were trying to do was what many uh, books, like if you watch the film Eli, they'll say the Bible is a way to control the masses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that what they were trying to do was to control the mass media and how that was controlling the masses. Don't yeah. put, don't put monsters in, don't put this in, don't put this in because that will then tell people that that's the wrong thing to be doing. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like do what the comics are doing. But the truth is, is that people are going to do what they're going to do, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that is ridiculous though. Comic books can't have monsters in them. <laughs> that's that one of the most ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, what, so, the, so the swamp thing, what's that going to be now? Just, just a swamp. Well, this is before the swamp thing existed. So. I know. I'm just, I'm just being yeah, it was like It was like supernatural monsters. So you can have werewolves or Dracula or things like this. That's ridiculous. Um, so at Marvel, yeah. the newly Christian Marvel, yeah, Stanley'd been made executive in chief, yeah, editor right. in chief, but not because he was very good at it, because that was the only person who was left, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Because everybody had left because <laughs> where the comics were doing <laughs> bad. Yeah, exactly. They were doing monster comic books and things like that, and Hulk. They weren't publishing any superhero comic books, right? Even though they had a cap they had Captain America. Yeah, they weren't publishing a Captain America comic book. I didn't know that. No, exactly. So they, so they were looking for something to do. Uh, standard scene that DC had recently re-released or launched not re-released because yeah. it's the first time the Justice League which gathered up a team of superheroes yeah. like their old Justice Society so had Superman Batman uh, 
The Flash, Green Lantern, all in one comic book. But this happened before the Avengers then, so, so Justice League the predates first, yeah. the Avengers. Yeah, and that sort of started sending quite well and sort yeah. of picked up a little bit more interest back into superheroes. Mm. I can't mention that because a lot of people say Justice League copied Avengers. So no, no, I, Avengers I was aware. Is, <laughs> I was <laughs> a, used to copy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For our listeners, just so I don't lose any cred in this yeah, area, exactly. I was like, I was being facetious. So, so, so Stan, seeing yeah. that, thought, right, we need to start doing superhero comics again because it's the only thing we can do. Yeah. We can do good versus evil as yeah. long as good wins. That's a good moral message. That will be allowed. Yeah, yeah. So what do we need? We need to do that. So we've gone to Jack and said, right, we need to do... Some superheroes. We need, I wanted to be a group, and I wanted to be a family. So what they came up with was the Fantastic Four. Okay, yeah, that yeah, makes is, sense. Yeah, uh, Reed Richards, his girlfriend Sue Storm, her brother Johnny Storm, and his best friend Grim, Ben Grimm. Hang on a second. I want to take you back for for one second here. You're telling me that Stan Lee said to Jack Kirby, "I want a family, and I want them to be superheroes." Yes. And that gives him a credit, a creation credit for Fantastic Four. Well, I don't know if that's what he, what he <laughs> oh, said. <laughs> no, of course. I'm sure there was a lot. I, as you know, actually, I and I'm going to leave this to the conclusion at the end, but I don't think there's an awful lot wrong with Stan Lee's method. No, no. So, so together they started Marvel Comics and they started getting successful and then they just created loads of stuff. Although this is the thing, is how much involvement did Stanley have in creating some of these characters? Because a lot of them, every time he just said to Jack, oh, villain, like, oh, some aliens come down yeah. and they mess with uh, the Fantastic Four and so he was all right, scrolls. Ah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. makes sense, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So a lot of the time Jack was just coming up with so many ideas in his brain that if... Stanley said to him, this is that happened in the plot of the, the, in the, uh, the issue, mm. so that Jack would just come up with a new character and throw it in there. So yeah. just Stanley didn't have a lot of uh, input maybe into that so much. Maybe not the, the artistic creative side, I think, is where he lacked, but it seemed like he knew what people wanted. Exactly. He always knew what people wanted. He was the consummate salesman. Mm. He could always, he knew that you had to have characters and he knew, unlike DC with the Supermans mm. and the Captain Marvels. Well, what's the issue and, with them? Exactly. Well, they're, like, they're gods. Wonder Woman, they're, they're not human beings. They're gods. Like, so yeah, so they can't, they can't die or certainly yeah, they're, like, they're limitless the, in their power. The ultimate uh, expression of yeah. Marvel as right. a character, as an ethos, yeah. yeah, of what they're all about is Spider-Man. Right, That's okay. why he's the most popular, the most popular character that Marvel's got because he's a down and his luck teenage yeah. boy yeah. who everything goes wrong for, yeah. but at the same time, he has great power and has great responsibility. And, and it could have happened to anybody. Exactly. And I think when we, when we did our Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark episode, our, our very first ever Top of the Flops, one of the reasons we didn't like it was because they took that core element away from him and actually one of the things that you said to me that I thought perfectly summed it up even better than that Stanley realised that Hercules was more interesting than Zeus exactly and I think that was brilliant the way you summed it up I'm like now you stop and think about it that is that perfect because Zeus is the god he is all powerful he is Superman yeah he's Superman yeah exactly yeah, Hercules is Spider-Man you know, yes he's, he is human he is fallible you know I mean like he's beatable you yeah. know, like, he has something to prove he has to prove that he can be as good as a god but still he has humanity yeah. which is something that a god can never achieve no it can never achieve yeah a god has no uh, has no emotional 
intelligence yeah. most probably you know what I, mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean he'll come down and sleep with a goat you know what I mean, well, yeah. Zeus, you know what I mean? not think about what he's done is that what Zeus did did he sleep with a goat I slept with everything <laughs> swans you name it <laughs> It's a bit shocking, to say the least. Yeah. Pun intended. That's what you're saying. There's been a dispute in the comic books. Out. How much does Stanley have to do with creating all these characters? You know, yeah, yeah. The Fantastic Four, the original five X-Men, Ant-Man, Inhumans, Squirrels, Four, Hulk, Black Panther, the Eternals, Kang the, Kang the Conqueror, the Kree, Nick Fury, Iron Man, Doctor Doom, Magneto, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. All those characters co-created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Stanley, did he draw any of them? Did he say what they're supposed to look like? Or did he just say, oh, it's just got to be a bloke who runs fast and then Jack went and did it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Funny you should be that one, Alex. All of them you said, <laughs> my brain went, probably said run fast. Because I, like, I think it's probably because my brain was like, guy that tracks metal, woman that can restart the entire universe, but only leave 200 people behind. <laughs> like, exactly. House of him. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so no, that's always, because Stanley used to write in the Marvel method, they used to call it. Yeah, well, that's I, I realised that I called it the Stan Lee method. No, it's um, called, but I think it's called the Marvel method, yes. isn't it? And that's uh, for those that that maybe haven't sort of quite um, well, caught what we're law. saying. Yeah, I don't know the law. Essentially, Stan Lee would tell you what he wanted. He would give you an outline. He wouldn't draw it beforehand. He also wouldn't have the stories or certainly the dialogue done. No, so exactly. Point. So he would come up to you and say, "I need this." You yeah. would then go create. He wouldn't give you much more direction than that. And then based on what you draw for him, he will then add the dialogue in yes, exactly. over the top of that. There's a thing where they said that one issue of uh, Fantastic Four, Jack Kirby did a story about DNA. Oh, right. Stanley didn't understand about the DNA, so he just took all the DNA out of it and wrote a completely different script on, t on top of the pictures. Oh, really? Stanley was famous for writing, basically getting the characters to say what had just happened. You can see it. <laughs> It's sequential, it's sequential art, it's called. You know what I mean? You yeah. can see what's going on in yeah. the pictures. You do not need yeah. Stanley to come over and say, say to you, you just threw the ball. Yeah, we can see you through the ball. <laughs> so you've got the show and the tell. <laughs> do you know what it is? It's almost like... Jack Kirby used to do the show and yeah. Stanley used to come and throw a load of tell on top of it. <laughs> just all over the place as well. He's like, the salesman. He's got to talk. He's got to exactly. tell, tell, tell. Yeah, exactly. He's got to tell, tell. Yeah, exactly. He's the salesman. Oh, that is brilliant. So that really I think that's Stanley's biggest contribution to Marvel because people are, there was an argument mm. and this is what we're going to get down to that there's an mm. argument that Stan Lee did not as much as Jack Kirby to create all the characters and yet he gets the, the bulk of them the, the, the notoriety the, he's the famous one but maybe because he's Stan Lee and he's sold himself as that kind of the person as the creator I mean there's a thing where they said he said that he created Captain America. He was only 19 when Captain America was created by Simon. He wasn't even involved anywhere. So No, no, exactly. It's I mean, he was the T-boy at the time. Does, so. so do you actually get credit for Captain America? No, he doesn't get credit. I was going to say. But that. if you look at the Captain America first Avengers poster, yeah. Jack Kirby's name's not on it. Stan Lee's name's on it. Oh. But as in his executive producer with Alan Fine and the other people, no, he didn't say co-created by. No, yeah, I think I think they. I were think now in the Marvel smart. movies they always say created by Jack Kirby. Now do they? Yeah, yeah, because you have smart. to. You have to pay attention to the man who's he's done so much for Marvel. Yeah, but it could be said if it wasn't for Stan Lee, would any of those books sold? Would anyone know about them? This has really reminded me of when I was a child, because of those that don't know, me and Daryl are cousins, and you and your brother Ryan used to babysit me a lot when we were growing up. And I wasn't the easiest kid 
in the world. And I definitely wasn't an easy kid to get to sleep. And one of the things that you and Ryan always used to do was to tell me about what was happening in, in the comics. And, and I remember for years, I thought Ryan had lied to me when he told me about the Marvel DC crossover. Because oh, okay. this was like pre-internet well, amalgam, days. Amalgam. Like, yeah, the amalgam where they had the different characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, like sort Wolverine of Wolverine and Batman and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't Boy. Wolverine and Batman, was it? It was Lo, Lo, Lobo? Wolverine and Lobo? No, was it was it, Wolverine and Batman. Was it? Yeah, Nightclaw. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of something else then that, that, that came up. But either way, I didn't believe him for years. No, right, okay. And then eventually I found yeah, out I'll... it did happen. And I was like, oh, they weren't lying to me. So I can now consider <laughs> yeah, the exactly. information they gave me as correct. <laughs> but this is this is reminding me of it because I'm sitting here and I'm like, what, what you're giving me is 20 years worth of research. Yes. You're giving me a wealth of, of innate understanding that I wouldn't be able to get in, in the oh, week yeah. that I was given to, to researchers. And, I, and I've got to say, it's like we've been able to successfully do so far with Top of the Flops is maybe not everything is as it seems. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think I've got a feeling where we're going with this and I've got a feeling right, okay. that I know why Jack Kirby left Marvel. Right, okay. So Stanley's job yeah. at Marvel, he was the editor-in-chief mm-hmm. and the editor. But back in those days, the editor was also the writer Okay. So the editor also did all most of the writing, yeah. which is a bit weird now because that's not how it works now. No, the no. editor will tell people what their sort of the general idea is, and the writers will write to that sort of. Yeah, idea. and then it goes. This is where we're going. Yeah, write us a script about that, basically. Yeah. But back in the day, that's what he used to do, and he used to do it Marvel style because he was doing about fifteen different books. Oh, really? You, that, you, you wow. couldn't write that many books. And 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 how frequent were these 15 books? Were they monthly yeah, issues? All month, or, yeah, monthly. All monthly. Yeah. So he'd be writing all, all the characters like you, uh, you said. He was writing most of them. So Could you could, imagine writing 15 of these shows a month? No, exactly. But, but he's just was saying, he, he did it Marvel style, so he didn't need to write them. Oh, of course, because he just did the, the dialogue. Yeah, he worked yeah, it out yeah. based on what he was looking at. Yeah, and he needed to write the dialogue in after they'd finished. But some of them, Makes sense some production. artists were better than others. Some artists yeah. you needed to write it all out panel by panel, tell them right. what to do. Okay, yeah. Some of them, like Jack Kirby, yeah. and towards the end of the Fantastic Four run, or midway through the Fantastic Four run, Stanley wasn't telling Jack Kirby what to do. Was he not? Do you no, think of course he... he wasn't. He was just letting Jack do it. He could trust Jack. He knew Jack was fast, mm. efficient, a great storyteller, mm. filled with ideas, coming out of him like the spot. He's, I, they said... He, as fast as he could draw, was how mm. fast the ideas came to him. It was just full of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, just the... And all the, man, the character, characters he created. I could not get over that list you gave me then mm-hmm. of characters in, in, in the part one to, to this. Exactly. I couldn't believe it. I'm listening to Gan. That cannot have come out of one person. Exactly. The Eternals, the Inhumans, all those characters he created. He created so many things, yeah. especially for Fantastic Four. There's so much stuff in, in fact, the, the, the original like 120-issue run of Fantastic yeah. Four that him and Stan did together. Yeah. It's amazing how much stuff was, that was put into that comic book. I mean, nowadays, Fantastic Four is a spend force. No one really reads it. I've never really gotten into it. No, and as we, well, as we did see within humans when we looked at the, the kind of the power battle in the back room of, yeah. of Marvel, one of the things that they did was take Fantastic Four off the shelves because they didn't own the film rights to it. But I think the film rights, thinking about it subsequently since that episode, possibly the film's damaged the comic because it hasn't been a good Fantastic Four film. And and I think the comics, as we know, aren't selling well anyway. No, Fantastic comics. Four never sells well. Yeah. It hasn't sold well for 30 years. 
Yeah, well, th- well, there you go. And they've yeah. tried it so many times. I mean, Jonathan Hickman, who's now relaunched the X Men, oh, and right. it's doing really well again. Back to being Marvel's number one comic book, where he should have been all along. Really, yeah. it was the nineties. That's what it was. Marvel was a X Men. I mean, all the other characters really suffered mainly because it was just an X Men before the Avengers sort of come back again, sort of rose back up again. Marvel was just X-Men, basically. Well, I remember you used to go to yours and Ryan's flat or the, the multitude of places he lived, the infamous Lodge. Yeah. So was, and I remember there used to just be X-Men comics everywhere. And exactly. like, I'm sure during my childhood, I didn't think there was any other superheroes yeah, other than exactly. X-Men. And a, and a Carnage one that you had that always used to scare me. <laughs> it was like, I remember Ryan always used to say to me, you're not allowed to read that book, you'll have nightmares. Exactly, so... So Stan was doing all those books and he was spreading himself yeah. a little bit thin. And as I said, he basically let Jack do what he wanted. Yeah. But he'd always take credit as well that he created them, even if he just suggested it to Jack. You know what I mean? If he suggested like, oh, an alien, that yeah. means he created the scrolls. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like the royal family, right? That's the Inhumans. I, created, I co-created the Inhumans. Yeah. I, I, I think that the problem is we're never going to know no, no, this is one of the, this is why this, this has gone on for years, people talking about it, is really, at the end of the day, though, they should have given Jack credit. In the first what, instance. Yeah, say, what, for, he, he was always on credited in the books, but it's yeah. always Fantastic Four, the Stanley presents Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four created by Stanley and... Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. I mean, Stanley never made any money off of those characters anyway. No. But he was always, even when he stopped being the editor-in-chief, he was always under contract mm. to be the Marvel spokesperson. Yeah, yeah. It was like a Legends contract he was on. Yeah, know, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So he was always the face of Marvel. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so it's now the 70s. Yeah, okay. Jack Kirby, he's getting a bit bored with Fantastic Four and he's stretching himself over these comic books he's doing. Yeah. He did the X-Men, which actually, the first X-Men flopped. Did it? Yeah, the original X-Men actually flopped. Oh. They actually got cancelled. I didn't know that. The only books that Jack and Stan did that got cancelled. Yeah. Because they weren't very good at the beginning. Is that the one where they're wearing, wearing those really weird suits? They're wearing yellow and blue outfits. Yellow and blue outfits, With yeah. the hoods on. And there's Beast, Cyclops, Jean Grey, uh, who's called Marvel Girl at the time. Yeah. Uh, Iceman and Angel. Right, okay. And that was the original... And they were they weren't, just weren't that interesting. Just weren't, weren't enough. They, going they weren't on. their best, and they was always yeah. fighting Magneto and everything. Yeah. That comic book actually got cancelled. Wow! That's and only become like popular on the relaunch years later. Oh, so so what was the rough gap roughly between? So that was brought out in the seventies. I, I think it might have been the sixties, and I think okay. it came back in the late seventies. Right. I've not put that research in here, so I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. Well, I know that that was a bit of a common theme, especially with new titles, new characters. I know the Hulk he flopped originally, yeah. and he had to be brought back. Uh, well, the Hulk was brought back. He sort of had his comic book that sort of died a little bit, yeah. and then he was brought back in the Avengers. Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. Originally, and with Loki and... Yeah, one of the few characters I do know an awful lot about is the Hulk, um, <laughs> because he's just... Yeah, when you're a young, angry boy growing up in poverty... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you end up no, gravitating towards the Hulk. So in the 70s... Yes. Yeah, go on. Jack Kirby had been sick to death of Jack of Stan taking all the credit and him not getting paid because of capitalism basically yeah, yeah. and because of people who ran Marvel didn't want any of the creators to get I mean these no. started becoming successful I mean they weren't the IP giants they were at the moment no earning the rights to to like uh, Fantastic Four you're only going to make a little bit more money on the 
one of the things you anyway, because they weren't selling tons of merchandise. No. These things weren't happening back then. No, no, of course not. There was no George Lucas Star Wars deals being knocked no, out. No, exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was probably a fantastic, maybe a fantastic four cartoon. And I didn't come until the 80s, though, did it, with Herbie instead of Human Torch? Mm. I don't know. If you, if you say so, honestly, like this a, is your knowledge. There was area. really terrible Marvel comic book animations in, I think it was the 60s or something. They were awful. No one ever watched them. So you weren't going to make a lot of money from that. No. Jack. But he was just, he was annoyed with Stan taking all the limelight, yeah. saying he created stuff that wasn't his. Yeah. But that's Stan for you. That's what he's going to do. Yes. Yeah. But he also, and as, as we've highlighted, as we've touched upon, would the exposure level have been there, would the fanfare have been there if Stan hadn't been behind it? Well, people say that everyone knew who Jack was because he'd written, drawn so many comic books. Mm. He had, did actually have fans yeah. that were probably following him to Marvel anyway. Yeah. But would the normal person, would the layman, not yeah. the comic book fan, the, the man in the street know yeah. about Marvel? Remember, at the time, Marvel was getting popular with kids and with college people. Yeah. Like, it's, they, they started, like, teenagers reading comic books and not just kids. Yeah. Because they was like, well, these superheroes are not having daft adventures they're grounded I'm saying he they're the Hercules they're not four you know? no exactly Zeus, yeah. you know what I mean and not and four they are four, four yeah, yeah they are four exactly yeah, four, yeah. four had to have a human personality yeah, it was Donald Blake and when he said he changed to four yeah I mean a scrap that now he's just four all the yeah, time yeah exactly which makes more far more sense but even with with the first Thor film they brought him to Earth and I'm talking about the, the Marvel Studios one mm. they stripped him of his power it's the first thing they did. They needed to take make this god yeah, a non god. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if that isn't, but again, would Jack Kirby have known that? Well, I mean, what did he do with the fourth world characters? Who were they? Well, let, that... let, so let me just say oh, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what is actually happening. Okay, yeah. So he's got sick. Yeah. DC are like uh, Carmen Inafino, who was the uh, DC's uh, editorial director at the time, yeah. was like. He'd seen, and because everyone was in New York, the DC building was opposite the road, the road to the Marvel building. You know yeah. what I mean? They all drank in the same places. Oh, everyone right. knew each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was very incestuous at that time. Yeah. People used to work for, if you worked for DC or Marvel, you could go across the road and work for them, but you'd yeah. just change your name and work under a pen name. Yeah, I understand, yeah. So, you know what I mean? You had to get work where you had to get work. Yeah, well, as you said, there, there wasn't an abundance of money going around back in these days. No, it, was, no. it isn't really now anyway, but even less so then. You had to put food on the table. Yeah, I mean, comic books were selling in huge quantities as well. You should have probably been paid a little bit more than you were, but yeah. comic books. Capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> no, 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 the answer is capitalism. Exactly. And, and, and let me tell you, I can tell you that is how the world works. You know, exactly. you know, the rich get richer by making the poor work harder. Exactly. So he was, yeah, so Carmen Inafino was like, we've got a scoop here. I know Jack's annoyed with Stan. I can get him to come over. Yeah. What do I have to do to get Jack to come to DC? This is going to be a big thing for us because DC was always losing to Marvel and they always will lose to Marvel. Yeah. They're getting trounced. I think they're losing by 15% of the market share at the moment. They're, it's a big the, only, saying, the only time they ever sort of were above Marvel was when the new 52 started and yeah. it only lasted so long and they went back down again. Wow. They've never, they've never been, Marvel always beaten them in market share. Yeah. Since, they, since it started. Yeah. But this was a good scoop for him, you know what I mean? This is like, oh, well, we shove, we've stolen Jack from Stan. Yeah, that's a huge, you know I mean? huge to her Stan. That would, that would be like Microsoft announcing that they just uh, hired Wozniak from Apple. Yes, exactly. Yes, that is exactly what it is. Okay. Imagine that. So they're like, right, so what do we have to do to get you to come to DC? What do you want, Jack? Do you want Superman? Mm. Do you want Batman? He said, no. I want, I've got this idea for a meta series, my own mythology. It's called The Fourth World. Right. This is what I want to do. Was it called The Fourth World? It's called The Fourth World now. It's called yeah, The Fourth World. Was it called the, 
because there's only three books, and I think wasn't didn't he take over somebody else's book, and that's where the title Fourth no, World? No, 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 no. Oh, he started. He went, so he went over to DC, and they put him on the biggest selling book they could. Right, it will make sense. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> a comic book that like, I do not know why it exists. He's out now as well. I still don't understand why it exists. Who gives a... I mean, no, a I, don't, no I definitely Olsen. don't. I definitely don't. I really don't care. So this is how he started. Yeah. Oh, flipping hell. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, for those that obviously aren't seeing us, I just gave Daryl a little signal to let him know that we've got sub eight minutes left. Oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> I suspected that was the case. I suspected that this was going to be a part one. Right, okay. And I think it's going to be a part one because there's enough meat on the bones. We're only just getting to DC now. So what we've done is we've set ourselves up. What got Jack Kirby to DC? Yes. You know, here he is. He is prolific. He is synonymous by this point, with Marvel. Yes. And it's synonymous. He's got his own fan following. He's created character after character after character. But every character he's making is just chipping away at him a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. He's like, you know what? Can I just have this one, Stan? Just let me have this one on my own. Yes. And like, well, where is, think of the most random Jack Kirby character that absolutely flops. He's like, let me just have that one. Stan's like, yeah, no, I can't really do that. You know, like, yeah. I've got to, you know. I'll get I mean? my piece. I'll grab my piece. You know, we, we need a bit of that Stanley Lieberman razzmatazz, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. It's Stanley Lieberman, isn't it? Yeah, Stanley. Yeah, yeah Stanley Lieberman. Yeah. Well, it's Stan Lee. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, I, it throws me every time because, like, it makes perfect sense that it's Stan Lee, you know. Yeah. Like, but I, I think that that's a good way to, to, to kind of close out, draw out part one because we're on the, the, the cusp of Jack Kirby. Right, okay. Joining DC. And what we now know is that this guy was a freak of nature. No, there is, and and I don't know. Maybe maybe there is no, now. There is no, there is no other Jack the King Kirby. And it was one of a kind. You, you, you. Only one person can be the king. Yes. Only one person can be the king. And from what I've heard, now bear in mind, I went to go do research on this, and I suddenly realised there was too much out there. There was too much out there, and I didn't have enough time. And what I did have was a resource who had twenty years worth of research backing him up. But when I went into it, I looked at it and I said. We need to know Jack Kirby beforehand. We need to know why Jack Kirby, uh, well, how he became known as the king, yeah. where he got this reputation from, why he's synonymous with Stanley, what happened at Marvel, what took. We needed to know all of that just to really make the fourth world part kind of make sense, but also make it interesting, find the narrative. People called it a flop. We're on the fence about that. I think we'll t discuss that more. Maybe not next week. We might give this one a little little week or so to simmer. Just let people kind of, you know, like, you know, that get their, uh, you know, that their hunger for part two out there, you know, like kind of get it out a bit further. Because next week we might do a different one, but we'll see. We'll see how we go. But we needed to know that stuff before he gets there. Yeah. Then once we're there, I think knowing all that, we might be able to deduce what happened there. Why? Okay. Because spoiler alert for next week... He doesn't stay at DC. No, he doesn't stay at DC. He doesn't. And what we're almost certainly going to look into, or maybe not next week, maybe the week after, is does he not stay at DC because the grass wasn't greener? Hmm. You know, what? why did he go? Why are the Fourth World books considered a flop? And what influence does he have after that? Yes. You know, where, where does, what is, is there a comeback? You know, like, or, <laughs> or, or should we not call it a comeback? 
because some people consider that to be his magnum opus. Yeah, uh, exactly. Fourth, fourth. I don't know, but with the little time left and knowing how much we got to discuss, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I want to give this this real. Um, I want to give it the time it deserves. Okay, you know. I Maybe did I'm not realise that we've been that close to an hour. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I've like, like, looked at the clock and I was like, what? What is the last hour for? Okay, we played that song. Because I went to go take us on to the fourth world bit and thankfully you said, no, 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 let me take you back. Because obviously I don't really know as much about this as you. And thankfully you did because I don't even think if we'd have gone to the fourth world bit, we'd, we'd be close to finishing now. No. You know, we've still got another good 20 years worth of Kirby history to get through. <laughs> and considering I watched... Two documentaries on him. Uh, and I know you've listened to audiobooks. I know the two documentaries put together don't cover the amount of time we've just done exactly. on the radio. <laughs> and a lot of what we've done is me listening to you, you know, and, and thoroughly enjoying it. Thoroughly enjoying it. So, unfortunately, at the end of this week's show, we're not going to be able to tell you whether it was a flop or not. That one's, oh, still, no. that one's still up in the air, so to speak. You know? mm. But next week, um, I think we're possibly possibly going to go do a business possibly Mm -hmm. although if the clamor's there we'll we may just go straight into part two yes this one because i think one of the things we've noticed and it's been a bit of a a happy coincidence if you like and something that a a star wars fan like yourself would appreciate is the rule of two yes and that is something we have found so far to be quite interesting is that you have, as we mentioned before, Jobs and Wozniak would yeah. either have been successful without the other. Yeah. You've got Iron Storm, Carmack and Romero. Yeah. Same thing there. Kirby and Stan Lee, who actually precedes all you know, those two. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's there's a lot of this going on where I kind of feel like, I think probably the one of the greatest examples um, was there used to be this show called Another Grey. And yeah. uh, it was this, this radio host, he hosted it on his own. <laughs> and he, he had some talents, but he needed, he needed somebody that he could bounce off of. Somebody could come in with some creative flair, with some, uh, you know, some really cool horn-rimmed glasses exactly. that he can stare at for the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with that all said, Gary, yeah. it's time to end. It is time to end. Another episode of Top of the Flops. And we don't know if it's been a flop. No, we exactly. Well, no. So we're leaving you on a cliffhanger this time. Exactly, exactly. This time we're leaving you on a cliffhanger. But if you do listen to the show, be it live or be it on podcast, get in touch. We're nice guys. We like talking to people. We don't do this because we want to be famous. We don't do this because we want to be mon- We want to make loads of money. We do it because we love what we're talking about. And we like entertaining people. And we like being part of a community. And that's what we're part of, you know. Yes, exactly. Radio, podcasting, that audio creativity is a community and we are really proud to be a part of it. So if you're listening to this, get in touch, you know, have a chat with us. Maybe there's something in the episode you think, you know what, you guys should talk about this. You know, maybe you've got some great comic news. Maybe you've got some great film news, a little scoop or something. Have a chat with us. We don't bite. But how can they have a chat with us, Gary? Oh, your links. Your links are a thing of beauty. You can reach us on social media. We've just revamped the page. Another show with Gary and Daryl, where you will see content from Pop Culture Climate as well as Top of the Flops. You can catch us on Twitter. Another show, 2020. Although we haven't even tweeted from that one yet. It's actually a show, 2020. (laughs) There's no tweets there, but there will be tweets there. 
there. Instagram <laughs> is Another Show 2020. We are on Spotify. Just search for Another Show and Top of the Flops. We are on Apple. We are on Google, Breaker, Stitcher, Podbean. We are on so many places for your listening pleasure. And with that in mind, it's bye from him. And bye from him. <laughs> 